it will be an extension of what we are already doing to be further developed and further defined. Like you said, it's a new topic, kind of a buzzword, but you know, it is becoming part of the responsibility of the supply chain. And as we are dealing with the IPPs and EPCs and financial institutions or owners of the assets, those are exactly the specific examples of companies or firms who would ask for these kind of services or require for companies to do something with this topic. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast. We're Solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangent, so let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. The podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar developer and consulting firm. I'm excited on the podcast to interview Paul Van Brecklin. He's the director of ESG and traceability at Clean Energy Associates. He's responsible for deliverables of ESG and supply chain related to services through Clean Energy Associates or CEA's global team. CEA's team through its best-in-class services focus on ensuring quality across all aspects of solar and energy storage industries, and they've been instrumental in supporting the installation of 85 gigawatts of solar power in 63 countries. If you don't know what ESG is, it's been a very hot topic this past year in the solar industry or in renewables. It is environmental, social, and corporate governance. It's an evaluation of firms' collective consciousness for social environmental factors. It is typically a score that's compiled from data collected surrounding specific metric related to intangible assets within the enterprise. There's a lot of interesting things that Paul discusses in the podcast. Some of them is what is ESG and specifically related to supply chain. He also talks about the importance of traceability now and how they're providing traceability audits of raw materials. And also he talks about the new trace protocol that allows solar companies to ensure ethical supply chain. That's something that SIA, the Solar Energy Industry Association, released, which was helped by Clean Energy Associates. And he also goes into the U.S. government withhold release order, WRO, with alleged forced labor. And we're finding that this is having an impact in imported solar equipment coming into the United States. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit Thangin, your host of the Solar Maverick podcast. I'm really excited to interview Paul Van Brecklin. He's the director of ESG and traceability at Clean Energy Associates. And we interviewed actually Andy Klump and Paul Wormser before from Clean Energy Associates on the podcast. They've provided very valuable insights. And I'm excited to have Paul on the podcast. Paul, welcome. Yeah, thanks, uh, Benoit, for having me uh, here on the podcast. Excited to participate. Anytime. I think it's interesting because ESG and traceability is something that's really been talked about, especially the past year, especially this year. It would be great to learn more about Clean Energy Associates for our listeners who are not familiar with the company. Let me introduce a few words about uh, Clean Energy Associates in short. So CA is a global technical advisory company that provides comprehensive engineering solutions for the solar and storage industries. So clients are uh, end owners of solar and storage assets who care about consistent, reliable and optimized performance and see value in paying for our services, which are often also provided with a wow factor to make sure we keep them happy. So we want to become the leading global solar and storage engineering services company that creates a tangible impact with our customers by 
2025. So that's our drive into the company. And for that, we offer a couple of services. So comprehensive quality control and testing, engineering, design, technical advisory, supply chain management, and full component traceability, in-depth supplier and market intelligence. And by now we are active in like 60 countries, visited like many factories in the photovoltaic supply chain uh, with uh, 90 gigawatt of projects, value of 75 billion in the industry, uh, not too recent, but also like four gigawatt of uh, storage facilities. And that's all being built up by Andy Klump, the person who you referred to in the last 13 years, uh, with a base in uh, both the US and in China. We've got uh, quite a few people on the ground in China. And you're based in Shanghai as well. That's where the company's from. (laughs) Is that the primary headquarters of the company? I know there's multiple offices all over. The main headquarter of the firm is in Delaware in the US, but the kind of the corporate headquarter where all the activities are, or quite a few activities are coordinated and where Andy is based is in, in Shanghai. That's very helpful. And I'm excited to learn more about your role at CEA. Can you talk about what you're doing as director of ESG and traceability? Yeah, let me elaborate on that. <laughs> so, you know, I'm reporting into the vice president of operations and one of the uh, executive leader uh, team leads, Paul Wormer, by the way, who was also on the podcast. So I was appointed as the director of uh, ESG and traceability. So that's like a, it's a newly created role, anticipating on the needs and requirements for our CA's customer base and supply chain developments. So working with the various teams in a cross-functional manner, we try to stay on top of like regulatory frameworks developing in the various jurisdictions we are are based in or are activate projects. So we anticipate on client requests or are recommending clients on industrial developments and then develop like the related sales and marketing materials and operationalize the uh, service deliverables for the various inspection, auditing or validation services we have and for reporting purposes. And then all the aforementioned related services are also linked to the supply chain traceability. It's a novel but a very actual topic which we will cover a little bit later, I guess, in the questions, Benoit. So as for the uh, CAs, ESD-related services we are uh, developing. So that's my role. It's kind of an exciting role, I have to say, in the current stage we're in and in the photovoltaic industry trying to do uh, yeah, some good to the world also by trying to increase the implementation of renewable energies on a large, even global scale. Yeah, definitely. That's really helpful to understand. And it would be great if you could talk about your background before CA. I mean, it's amazing how much experience that you have and perspective that you could bring to the position. And it would be great to hear about your background before joining the company. Thanks for that. I'm an engineer, which was also a question raised when I joined, but I'm a bit of out of the normal mainstream engineer because I grew up in the countryside in the Netherlands, attended colleges and universities, but they were all related to the agricultural field. And in the Netherlands, you can be an engineer on the technical side or on the agricultural side. Those are the only two universities where you can have that title as an engineer. Yeah, anyway, so I started my career in the testing, inspection and certification field, the so-called TIC industry. Might be a term which you come across or you will hear often, but it stands for testing, inspection and certification. So I joined a Swiss company called SDS back in 1994, and that was kind of an era with like a very big focus on health and environment. So I kind of became like heavily involved even on a global level by running a competence center with product labeling, certification, traceability, carbon offset verification, which by the way is also an element of an ESG. 
yeah. the environmental part of it. So chain of custody solutions for clients, but also supporting through that same competence center, like subsidies in many countries around the world. So I had like the opportunity and the luck to be able to travel to like 55 countries, which kind of is the reason why I ended up in Asia, because I fell in love with Asia, but also with the opportunities he had and the developments you could see in countries like China and India at that point in time. So I came here since like 1998 already traveling into China, but based here since 2005, because then I joined the competition, Vero Veritas, again, in roles linked to product development, innovation, efficiency improvement, data mining, and again, traceability. And then in the same period, based out of Asia, I joined TÜV Nord, where I was the regional CEO for that company. But more importantly to mention is that's where I got heavily involved in renewable energies in the sense of setting up a specific department for wind energy and uh, solar. So that's where I was allowed to issue a few certificates to clients in Taiwan and in China already for photovoltaic. Then a few startups after the tech industry experience, they were all also related to like sustainability and environmental impacts, trying to reduce impacts on the environment. And that's kind of where I got exposed to ESG through board involvements, financers and loan situations where, of course, you get passed on the requirements of those organizations in um, trying to adhere to what they would like you to do in your organization. And moreover, also I obtained a couple of postgraduate degrees in uh, corporate governance, so Institute of Director, Financial Times Diploma on uh, Executive Director roles. So joining CA means I bring the necessary tech industry-related experiences for traceability certification together with the ESG-related activities in this new and opportunistic role. Yeah, that is amazing to hear your background and so much experience in ESG and traceability before it's become, you know, popular and really like a unique sort of experience that not many people have. So that's really interesting. Yeah, thanks for that, uh, Benoit. Yeah, looking forward to the uh, further development of this role within CA indeed. Yeah, definitely. And probably not all our listeners are familiar with ESG. Can you talk about what ESG is and define it and tell us why it's important? Yeah, it's a bit of a new buzzword, which is maybe not not the right term to use, by the way, but E stands for uh, environment, uh, social and governments. And it's kind of related to what we call like the triple bottom line reporting or triple annual reporting. It comes like uh, kind of out of Europe where those requirements were like written down. And it's often related based on companies' responsibilities around disclosing information in their uh, annual obligatory uh, reporting requirements. So it's not only like financial reporting. If ESG is being implemented, it very often means it's like an annex to a corporate governance code and they are try to explain this simplistically is you know this is often linked to like exchanges in jurisdictions so they act in favor of the companies and they put requirements out there where companies have to do like annual reporting and then an annex means the ESG annex would mean they also have to disclose information related to environment social and more stringent corporate government aspects so it's really the annual reporting which kind of drives it and the reason behind it is that the world is evolving and developing. We already mentioned like renewable energies is becoming important, impact to the environment and the same applies here. So companies are not only required to maximize like shareholder value. Nowadays, there is also like involvement from the outside forces, let's call them stakeholders. So there's also like stakeholder involvement and requirements to look into those parties like inside organizations as you know, your employee could be a stakeholder, your shareholders of course are stakeholders, but it's also like the surrounding environment 
environment, which could be impacting people living there. If it would be a certain industry with emissions, uh, for example, or you have to do something with your waste management, which should not go into effluent in the surface water or whatever. So those are items where people really have to look into. And those are kind of requirements which you see in the ESG requirements linked to the stock exchanges often. So you've got the corporate governance code can either be from a country or the corporate governance code is run through the authorities then being provided to those stock exchanges. And then there is often an annex as a evolvement and development into the ESG related requirements, which then the exchanges expect to see in the annual reporting. Oh, that is really interesting to understand that. And it would be great to talk about, obviously, we talked about how Andy Klump and Paul Worms are from CAA, has been on the podcast. And we know that CAA operates in quality assurance, engineering, supply chain space. How does like ESG tie into what CAA is currently doing? In our current like factory auditing services, we are already involved in schemes and codes like OSAS, which stands for Occupational Health and Safety, or EHS, which stands for Environment, Health and Safety. So those are codes which companies are certified to or where, for example, buyers or financial institutions are already requesting to look into those kind of matters. So those are already like elements of audits or validations we are, are performing. And then the latest uh, development on the traceability-related audits for the supply chain in integrity means that we are touching already on the various ESG-related components. There's not like one global standard out there, but like I said, in those codes, there are elements which ask for waste management or environmental impact assessments or various KPIs being defined which you measure or try to reduce because it has an impact on the environment and on the social side, responsibilities for dealing with the safety of your staff or EPEs, these kind of matters or passing off kind of labor codes if they are relevant to the people you're dealing with. So looking at the employee impacting situations, passing one of those responsibilities, these are already like elements of ESG, uh, Benoit. So it will be an extension of what we are already doing to be further developed and further defined. Like you said, it's a new topic, kind of a buzzword, but you know, it is becoming part of the responsibility of the supply chain. And as we are dealing with the IPPs and EPCs and financial institutions or owners of the assets, those are exactly the specific examples of companies or firms who would ask for these kind of services or require for companies to do something with this topic. So it will just be a further extension of uh, the CA portfolio of services. Definitely, it sounds like a natural fit to CA's services. And it sounds like, as you mentioned, that it's really the supply chain portion and traceability portion related to ESG, not all of ESG specifically, that aspect of it, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the traceability part is indeed, uh, it is one of the aspects of an ESG requirement, yeah. Definitely. And, you know, it would be helpful if you could just talk more about like, what is traceability? Because uh, maybe people are not necessarily familiar and what you mean by when you talk about traceability of the raw materials related to manufacturing. It seems to be like kind of a new thing eh? because uh, there are certain developments, but traceability is already existing in other industries also. Like I refer to my experience in the testing inspection certification industry. If you think about product labeling, it means there could be like an economical benefit if you would take the advantage to start mix and matching various streams of products. So you would gain from that. So if you think about product labeling and product certification over time, and in even the developments I was involved in myself, very often 
on the back end of a product certification scheme, there were all kinds of requirements added on the traceability of the logo and the various streams of product inside manufacturing organizations or processing organizations, where there was often requirements which asked for like segregation in time or place. So imagine you've got like an environmental friendly stream of produce or a stream of produce coming from a certain origin. You have to show the segregation in your organization. So that became like an automatic involvement of those kind of schemes. And you've seen that in like the heavily in the food related mm-hmm. uh, supplies. But now again, thinking about, you know, investments and banking or banking institutions, even on a global level, they do lots of investments all around the world. And therefore those requirements are coming into play also where people or those organizations would like to see origin validation or the preservation of identity throughout the supply chain. So this is why this is also becoming important in the photovoltaic industry. So traceability means you need to be able to follow physically and through documents or an IT system, the stream of product from like entering the arrivals of the materials, either them being raw materials or semi-manufactured products or wafers in this case for the photovoltaic supply chain through the production system or manufacturing system or final material production going into the uh, final warehouse and then being released for transport to a final destination. You need to be able to follow this in a documentary or a physical process. And for that, the services we have in place now, of course, they will be based on supply chain protocols, existing ones or to be developed ones. But the audit approach means that we also have to go on site. So we want to see the site itself, the production lines or how the manufacturing process is being organized, talk to the people, see how they are being trained and implementing the processes or work instructions related to traceability, look at documents, look at the ERPs or the manufacturing execution system, as they call it in the photovoltaic supply chain, and take samples. I think about execute like a recall procedure so we can really see if you take a module or a wafer or a cell being barcoded or being identified that you can trace it back and that you would be able to pull it off the market, which then would mean you've got a fully functional traceability system. So that's a lot of words, but that's kind of what it entails. And it sounds maybe a bit complicated. It sounds maybe easier than it is in reality because it is asking for quite a bit of knowledge and experience of the various supply chain nodes you are active in to know what are the critical aspects or critical elements to look at to make sure and ensure that at the snapshot we do, because it's like time limited. We go at site, it's just one or two days that you check something and that needs then to represent the rest of the process taking place throughout the whole year or for the half year or quarterly visits we anticipate to come back on to keep on validating that the system is in good operation. That is the definition of traceability. As a leading authority in the solar industry, life gets very busy. In addition to traveling the world as a speaker and for my entrepreneurial ventures, I'm a son, friend, investor, and entrepreneur. And when it comes to delivering a great sounding show for my listeners, I choose Podcast Laundry. All I have to do is record and send and the rest is done. They do the dirty work of podcasting for me. Yes, social media graphics, quotes, show notes, master editing, and much more. All I have to do is record. So if you're a busy podcaster like me with an engaged audience and want to free up your time to do more of what you you love like going to the gym or spending time with loved ones go to podcastlaundry.com to schedule your consultation or call 347-871-8273 that's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273 
Yeah, that is great explanation. I really appreciate you going into detail because I think you were able to explain it. It makes sense. There's a lot of complexity that is required. And I wonder how many solar panel manufacturers really have those traceability functions like in-house. That's kind of a new development and one in that sense. It kind of goes back to the current situation we are in where there's lots of questions coming in. And if you allow me, it's kind of an anticipation on uh, some changes in the legal framework of the United States where very recently there was like a, a WRO released, which is like the withhold release order, which means so much as based on uh, former legislation where it is completely forbidden to import any products into the US, which might be produced with alleged forced labor. And on top of that, WRO was released, which means that if you export your products into the US and CBP, Customs Border Patrol, Customs would think that it is made with certain materials originating from a source of polysilicon related materials being used in the production process, they could withhold the shipment to be released into the States. So on top of that means there's like lots of questions coming in from uh, clients about like, okay, can you help us with like a traceability solution? So like I said, the legislation and then the related the WRO means, yeah, people now need to anticipate on what would the authorities potentially ask for as proof that we can show that our materials are being manufactured with segregated source or source not originating from a certain area where this WRO is related to. And then in between, in anticipation of supply chain and segregation and traceability, it was already the Solar Energy Industries Association, SEIA in the US, who anticipated on certain developments in the sector and came up with like a supply chain traceability protocol in which CA was heavily involved, by the way, in developing this protocol. And then now based on the WRO being issued, we have developed this service further with the existing team and with myself coming on board recently and then in anticipation of what we think, how we would be able to best help our clients with providing for proof that they are manufacturing in a way which is going to be accepted by CBP to release the products. Of course, that's going to be dependent on what we would find and what's going to be the information written in the reports. It means as much as for the supply chain services we have in-house and have developed, we have taken the SEA protocol and added a process certification type of an approach to help clients anticipate on potential questions coming. And then it goes back to what I've mentioned earlier before. We will do like a desk review first and ask for like many different documents in anticipation of an on-site audit. And then the combination of these two is kind of the definition of a supply chain integrity audit with a related report, which shows like the status of the supply chain traceability system in place for the client we are dealing with. And of course, it's a bit different because it would now mean that more than just going at like one site and look at like one note, we need to go into the earlier or later notes of the client we are dealing with. So the real supply chain transparency and sharing of information between the different parties up to the level that we are able to see the supply chain mapping and the function of the system is kind of critical to be able to write such a report. I know you talked a little bit about this before when I asked you to define traceability, but why is traceability important for solar firms or those trying to reach their ESG goals? The most critical part now is based on what I've just mentioned with the reason for companies now to have traceability in place to show like the provenance of where materials were originating from because that's specifically where CBP is asking for proof for companies to show their ability to do so. So again, it goes back to this chain of custody process to be in place to really have the ability. And again, it's going to be based on the audits we have to perform and work with our clients proactively to see what the status of the system is because you could have like different levels of 
system integrity, as we would like to call it. It could be either, you know, you've got like full identity preservation. So, you know, you would use materials which come from a certain area. It goes through the production process and you can follow it all the way to the end into the final material. So then, you know, that whole system is completely in place and any documents will prove that it's exactly working like this. Another level will be like segregation. So you've got materials coming in from different areas, but inside your organization, you can really show the provenance and the segregation of the different flows of those two streams throughout your manufacturing process, if that would be applicable. And a third level could be you have a mass balance, which means whatever goes in comes out minus, you know, waste or breakage or process impacts on the materials. You know, we do not know yet what would be a level of acceptance for your materials to then be allowed to be imported into the US. That's something we have to further work on and see what the requirements will be on what kind of level of system needs to be in place to show an acceptable level of supply chain traceability for Customs and Border Patrol. What is the future? I mean, it seems we're in the very early stages. Like, what's the future of ESG and traceability? Many questions are rising and many articles are written about ESG and even scholars are writing many articles about it, even on an academic level. So it's kind of a new development in that sense, although it's already there for quite a few years. But, you know, it's happening on board levels, but now it's drilling down to companies and implementing the execution side of organizations. So it's not only developed because of this WRO, you know, it should not just be like a negative drive. You know, it is happening because this legal situation is created. What we would like to anticipate on, which is answering your question, is it has to be a positive approach because, you know, ESD is out there. There are standards there. There are corporate governance codes. Annexes are being uh, included in them and it gets passed on and it's especially driven by the financial and banking related the financing environments. So it means they will start pushing it down into the organizations they are working with and many of them are also our clients. So for us, for CA, it would really mean that, you know, it is there to not go away. It will be an opportunity so it's better to work on this like proactively, anticipating on future developments than related, of course, to the photovoltaic industry. We already have like protocol there. It started in the US. And then on top of that, we developed that service portfolio, which it is for traceability. But we would like to try to call it already one of our ESG services because supply chain traceability, interacting with your supply chain by passing down your values and your aspects you would like to look into as a firm or as a company, you will pass it down into the supply chain and you need to proactively work on that yourself with your supply chain. So these will be services we will be developing further or are developing now because of the WRO coming out. But again, we would like to call this traceability service an ESG service for the future because traceability is not going to disappear. You know, I already mentioned we do all kind of auditing. We will develop this further by including this in it, traceability aspect, although many of the audits we do are kind of like the system management oriented and this is more process oriented. So it still requires more specific knowledge of processes and specificities to look into. But you can add that into a, like an older team. So, you know, that's something we will develop further by going forward. Again, it will become an extra requirement. It's just in line with evolving ESD demands and developments. Over time, there will even be a global ESD standard. Eh? Think about ISO 9000. Everyone knows about it. It's the global standard. Maybe on the ESD side, something similar will happen. Or at least on a country level, there will be a standard there. So then, you know, that then becomes like common denominator. And we can um, see what kind of aspects we then have to look into and assess at the client level and the supply chain we are dealing with. So yeah, that's how we would see it evolve again. Industry protocols are being developed in other industries. On the supply chain side, she is there not to disappear anymore. Yeah, that's a great point, Paul, too. And it's interesting because I know you talked about a global standard for ESG. I could see that happening in the near future. There's just so much evolution happening so quickly when it comes to ESG and traceability. So it'll be interesting to see. 
completely correct, Benoit. Even if you look, uh, you know, I'm based in China. So <laughs> I've got a personal interest there myself in the topic. There's like nine standards being applied. If you look at the financial institutions, there's like many indices there. Huh? You've got like this ESD indexed funds where there's like many different parameters. And the parameters are kind of the ESD elements they would like to see measured. And there's like different depth or different focus based on those funds. So there's just, there is a difference. But it goes back to, you know, you are a firm, huh? like the photovoltaic related note. What do I need to do? This is probably something clients should anticipate on what would be coming. And then, yeah, if you do a proper job, of course we will do, then it will be in line with hopefully those future developments and hopefully a more standardized approach to ESG. That's so interesting if you think about it, because just like the work with the traceability protocols that you did with SIA, and then now what you're doing with ESG, you're basically creating a standard or procedure before things have got finalized to be proactive for your clients instead of reactive and then creating basically your own standard that you hope to become the standard in the future. So that might be too much of a final goal. At least it should be an anticipating of what could be coming as like a sector or an industrial evolvement. But it's not so much different as what I've done in some of the other industries, exactly similar. And it's kind of in the the CEA DNA of the staff we are having anyway, because people are so in touch with the clients. And because of the different services we have, we have got so much market knowledge and regulatory knowledge and networks where we are most probably able to anticipate or define certain future developments. And therefore, we can deal and discuss with our clients like, okay, you are at this stage. Maybe it is good if you work together in trying to prepare you for what we think is going to be part of the future. And I've done that in agricultural industries. And as a matter of fact, some of them have become global standards, as well as the code of conduct, even on the social side in the agricultural world, as well as chain of custody schemes. So yeah, I think if we, with the great group of CAA people we have, if we can indeed keep on dealing with the clients in such a manner, yes, I think we are able to come up with services which anticipate on future developments and add great value to clients and keep them prepared for their future also. That is key, adding value to your clients and being proactive. And it's just related to all the services that you're already offering. This has been an amazing interview, Paul. You provided a lot of great insights about ESG and traceability and what CEA is doing to lead that and innovate. It would be great if you could tell us how could our audience learn more about CEA and you specifically? Like I said, I recently joined, but there's many, many, many things happening in CA on the social media side and trying to share information with clients or the photovoltaic industry and audience. So the recommendation will be one to check our website, www.caa3.com, with quite a few podcasts and different webinars, interesting topics, actual ones, or providing great in-depth industrial experience sharing through those webinars. So that's like a great recommendation. Check the website, the LinkedIn page, where many posts are done with people across the world from the CEA community sharing topics and information. So LinkedIn is also a very good platform to follow what CEA is doing. If you would look at LinkedIn and you would look at the website, you would also see that on the 29th of July, there is again a webinar being organized, which of course is another way to keep in touch with CEA and the folks we have who are sharing their information and knowledge with the photovoltaic industry. And I will be part of that one also if you would like to know more about me and more about traceability and the CEA services, Benoit. Definitely. That's great, Paul. We'll have these links in the notes of the podcast. I appreciate your time, Paul. This was really helpful. And thank 
you again. Many thanks for having me. A great honor to be on the Solar Maverick podcast of yourself and be able to share the great work CA is doing and what we are developing services for traceability and the future development ESG and servicing and helping our clients. So many thanks for providing this platform and the opportunity to speak with you today. Anytime you're welcome. I'll thank you for providing these valuable insights. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U energy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced Produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangen and Kevin Y. Brown.